Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the historic Landmarks Commission meeting. Following roll call during our summary of hearing procedure, we will review how the public may provide comment during today's session. Um, and I would like to welcome a new commissioner, Commissioner Galandari. Welcome to our historic Landmarks Commission. Thank you. And we we are re really happy that you're here and want I want you to know that the HLC or Historic Landmarks Commission is a friendly group and you can ask us and you'll get a friendly response to any question you have. It may be, we don't know, but <laughs> you're, you're very welcome to ask us questions. All right, let's give her a hand, shall we? All of us on the commission are volunteers and we're all happy to be here to help protect historic resources in San Jose. Um, anyway, I would like to go over the roll call now, starting with Commissioner Jenke. I see he is here. Commissioner Jenke. Here. You're here. Commissioner Galandari. Here. And Commissioner Camuso. Here. Commissioner Arnold is not here. And Vice Chair Royer. Present. And Chair Baim, I'm here. And so thank you very much for joining us again. Here's the procedure for the hearing. After the staff reports, applicants and appellants may make a five-minute presentation. I'm going to be a stickler on time. We have lots of items on the agenda tonight. If you wish to speak on an item, complete a card looking very much like this card and bring it to um, Historic Preservation Officer Dana Peak Edwards. Desiree, okay, wonderful. So give your cards to Desiree if you'd like to speak. And um, when I receive your part card, we will keep them in order that we receive them. And then uh, I'll read your name. And if you would be so kind as to come up to the microphone, right in, in the middle of the floor there. And you will be given two minutes to speak. Uh, speakers using a translator may have four minutes to speak. At the discretion of the chair, the time allotted to each speaker may be changed depending on the number of items on the agenda, the number of speakers, and other factors. Speakers using a translator will have double the allotted time. After the public testimony, the applicant may make closing remarks for up to an additional five minutes. Historic landmark commissioners may ask questions of the speakers. Response to the commissioner questions will not reduce the speaker's time allowance. The public hearing will then be closed and the Historic Landmarks Commission will take action on the item. The commission may request staff to respond to the public testimony or ask staff questions and they will discuss the item. If a commissioner would like a topic to be addressed under the one of the good and welfare order uh, items, please contact planning staff in advance of the commission meeting. All public records relating to an open session item on this agenda, which are not exempt from disclosure pursuant to the California Public Records Act that are distributed to a majority of the legislative body will be available for the public by emailing planning support staff at san jose california.gov. 
at the same time that the public records are distributed or made available to the legislative body. Before we begin, I want to remind the Historic Landmarks Commission members and members of the public to follow our code of conduct at meetings. This includes commenting on the specific agenda item only and addressing the full body. Public speakers will not engage in a conversation with commissioners or staff. All members of the Historic Landmarks Commission, staff, and public are expected to refrain from abusive language, repeated failure to comply with the code of conduct, which will disturb, disrupt, or impede the orderly conduct of this meeting may result in removal from the meeting. This meeting of the Historic Landmarks Commission will now come to order. <clears throat> the first item on the agenda is deferrals and there are no items. The second item on the agenda is consent calendar and again, no items. The third item on the agenda is public hearings and again, there are no items. And four is planning referrals. Again, we have no items. So here we are at number five, general business. And there are several items, starting with item 5A, St. James Park, Capital Vision and Performing Arts Pavilion Project. The project manager is Heng Lei Wang, and the recommendation is that the HLC review and comment on the 65% design development for the St. James Park Capital Vision and Le Levitt uh, Pavilion Project in accordance with Condition 12 of the Historic Preservation Permit File number HP 19-008. I'll turn it over now to um, Han Lee Wang. Danielle, would you please move over, Han Lee, to the panelist section? Hello, everyone. Um, can everyone hear me? Do you have anyone else you want moved over, Han Lee? Pardon me? Do you have anyone else that you want moved over? Uh, I think it's just me. Too? Yeah. Perfect. Let me double check the attendees. Yeah, it's just me. Okay. Um, so I am going to share my screen. Um, I have a PowerPoint presentation. Um, please bear with me a little bit. Okay. Can everyone see my screen? Yes. Okay, great. So, uh, yeah, good evening. My name is Han Lei Wong. I am the associate landscape architect from PRNS, the project manager of some James Parks design project, and I'm here to provide you an update on some James Parks design. Um, so, uh, giving some background, the project site is located at St. James Park in an approximately 7.6 gross acre city-owned park, consisting of two parcels. 
Uh, the site is bordered by East St. James Street to the north, East St. John Street to the south, North First Street to the west, and North Third Street to the east in downtown San Jose. Um, St. James Square is listed on the National Register of Historic Place as a contributing property to the St. James Square Historic District and is listed on the city's historic resource, resource inventory as a um, contributing site and structure to the St. James Square City Landmark Historic District. Um, the project is a comprehensive renovation of St. James Park, including landscape improvements and new site structures and monuments. Uh, it includes the implementation of physical and programmatic change to St. James Park, centered around three design concepts, historic edge, contemporary core, and monument walk. Um, so the physical, physical and programmatic changes uh, at St. James Park includes approximately 4,000 square foot st stage for the performing art pavilion with an approximately 1,800 square foot single story support building, uh, approximately 1,200 square foot cafe and restaurant buildings. Um, also open air picnic pavilion and Nagley picnic grove with picnic tables, benches, barbecues, hardcore beans and chairs. Approximately 1,700 square foot park office building um, and also two dog parks uh, totaling up to approximately 7,000 square feet. Um, the McKinley Meadow, also the Plaza Playground, um, and the New Fountain. Uh, there will be also security, sorry, there will also be security lighting um, along the perimeter of the park and pedestrian pathway. Uh, perimeter garden fencing, transportation network modifications such as closure of North 2nd Street currently bisects the site and is accessible to vehicle and the VTA light rail. Improvement to the existing VTA light rail platform will be implemented for greater safety and pedestrian circulation during park events. Pedestrian improvements such as monument walk, which consists of paved walkway along the entire perimeter of the park, uh, utility improvements, and also removal of 84 trees and adding 200 native and non-native trees in different sizes, ranging from 24 to 84 inches box, while protecting 148 existing trees to remain. Um, a status update for the project was provided to the Design Review Committee of the Historic Landmarks Commission on October 16, 2019. The Historic Preservation Permit uh, the file number HP19-008 was approved with conditions at the director's hearing on October 28, 2020. Historic preservation permit includes several project conditions to ensure conformance with the city's historic preservation ordinance uh, so, and uh, security of the interior's standard for rehabilitation and the St. James Square Historic District Design Guidelines. The following sections uh, highlights six of those conditions. Uh, condition three requires a heritage tree assessment to be conducted prior to the start of construction and review um, and approved by the City of San Jose Historic Preservation Officer and the Director of the Planning or the Director of Design. Uh, Disney's. Condition five requires a documentation of baseline condition of the historic resource on site prior to construction by a qualified historic architect who meets the Secretary of Interior's professional qualification standards. 
Condition six requires the preparation of historic resources protection plan by a historic architect to protect the historical resources determined to be at risk from uh, direct or indirect impacts during the construction activities. Constru uh, condition seven requires the repair of contributing features in St. James Park in full compliance with the Secretary of the Interior Standards for the treatment of historic uh, properties in the event of damage during construction. Uh, condition 11 requires the installation and maintenance of interpretive signs and markers to inform the public of the history of St. James Park site. Uh, condition 12, uh, mentioned earlier, requires that the project be brought back to the GOC for review. Uh, that's why we are here today uh, in the meeting. And so all these condition requirements will be conducted either in a 90% or 100% design document set by the consultant and uh, and its qualified subconsultant or prior and during the construction phase. Um, so we will make sure we will continue to communicate with the historic preservation officer uh, to confirm that we are on the right track. Um, so uh, condition 12 of the historical preservation permit uh, is the only condition in the permit that requires additional HOC review. Uh, and at that time, the permit was approved. The construction document for the project were at 25% stage. So uh, the construction documents have been further developed since the permit was issued in 2020. Therefore, in conformance with the condition 12, the project is being brought back to HOC for review and comments at a 65% stage of the design. So uh, on the screen, the left side is the 25% plan that was uh, approved. And then the image on the right-hand side, that's the current 65% plan. And as you can see, um, there weren't that, uh, the layout are basically the same. So uh, the 25% plan set does not include uh, score joint design, uh, which has been incorporated into the 65% plan set. And also 65% set identify the surface material and its construction method throughout the site. Uh, this includes like previous concrete and permeable concrete unit pavers at the Nagley picnic growth, asphalt and vehicular concrete at the interior core area, surfacing at the playground and the uh, surfacing at the dog park. Um, the 65% plan set also specifies protection fencing along the Victoria Gardens walking path. Um, the custom cast iron panel for the garden fence at the park entrance and the concrete stencil detail for the walk pattern uh, designed by the artist Mark Riegelman are uh, included in the detail sheet of the 65% set. Uh, in the architecture section of the 65% plan set, which is which start from sheet AR00, uh, information on the R column size, panel, tensile, and shape membrane uh, dimension, uh, these are all provided. Um, and the project as outlined in the Certified Environmental Impact Report would not require substantial grading or excavation. And uh, here are some image of the fountain and the field of objects areas. So we uh, request the HOC review of the 65% construction document plan and provide comments on the project's design for conformance with condition 12 of the historical preservation permit, the secretary of the interior standard for rehabilitation in the St. James Square historic district design guideline. Um, our next step is uh, we are going to work on the 90% construction set and 
as mentioned, we will uh, make sure uh, the conditions will be uh, incorporated into 90% set. Uh, and so um, also when we prepare the 90% set, a phasing plan for the project will be developed. Uh, so the current estimate for completion of the 90% construction document set is towards the end of 2024. Um, so any questions for me? That's the end of my presentation. Okay, thank you, Heng Wen. Um, yeah, let's see if we have uh, questions from the commissioners. Any, just raise your hand if you have a question. Yeah, Commissioner Jenke. So um, looking at this in plan, I, my, the first thing that comes to mind and, and the horse may be out of the barn, but the, the pattern of walks and everything makes it look like a medieval fortress. Um, acute angles and all of that were made so that there wouldn't be any blind corners. I, the, the reference is kind of strange. And then uh, continuing on, I, I wonder what sort of contextual uh, references are being made by, by this plan. Now, this is well underway and 65%, and I um, didn't have the benefit of being at the uh, the earlier review, but uh, that's kind of what I what I think and feel. Uh, likewise, uh, you know, I it's, it's one of these things that a plan may may um, cast the wrong illusion or uh, reference to to shape, but uh, um, sitting in the bell tower of Trinity Church, I would. Uh, Sort of see that. Anyway, thank you. Is there anybody here from the designer, or well, or is the staff? The, uh, the consultant is not here today. Just to clarify, you've already said this, Hanley, but the historic preservation permit was already approved. Um, the staff memo, and maybe you can highlight it too, Hanley, um, outlines the few things that have been um, kind of codified in the design um, since then. Do you want to just highlight those? Uh, the conditions, highlights? Just, just what has changed or been clarified since the 25% design? Okay. Um, so, again, the late... Uh, here. Uh, I'm to go back. The design is like the layout remains the same. And so the things that have uh, added are just like more details of everything. Like for instance, how do you build this? Um, like if you have a four inches concrete, then underneath the concrete, we have like six inches of aggregate base. So like, construction details like that, just like how you actually construct it and exactly what kind of materials. And uh, also it mentioned earlier, like the score drawing details, uh, even though score drawing doesn't look seem important, uh, you know, to average people, but then uh, in design, how you, uh, how you score the uh, concrete can actually influence uh, whether it will crack easily or it can last longer. And also if the lines are aligned with adjacent uh, 
uh, adjacent uh, seat wall or something. So if the line is not aligned, it will just look weird when it's being built. So those are very tiny details, but those need to be documented in the uh, in the plan set. So a lot of the extra sheets are just information like this. And for instance, the um, this pavilion, so all of these tiny little panels, like there needs to be dimension of every single panel. Um, it's, you know, like the, the, the uh, like the length, the width, and uh, so every piece has its own dimension and those are also listed in the 65% plan set. So uh, the design remains pretty much the same, it's just more detail of every single thing. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for the question and the answer. Um, let us continue with any other questions you might have of of the uh, project manager. Yeah. Commissioner uh, Camuso. I, I know this has been in the works for quite some time here, and it's apparently quite underway, but not without a lot of legal opposition here. Um, I think the design is terrible for the status of this park it's it's a it's a historic landmark it's on the national registry um it is not conducive with um with anything yeah. going on in, in this particular uh, park area especially the surrounding historic buildings um it uh i don't know what you've done for noise mitigation but you plan on having a lot of events here which may or may not be attended by many many people uh, I wonder what you're going to be doing for uh, sanitary requirements, but um, it really bothers me to think that such a development is even considered in what is a very, very old and and highly respected uh, historical, uh, uh, national historic uh, area. Um, this could have been put uh, anywhere else. There are many other places that this could have been put, and I'm absolutely opposed to to what's going on here it's 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 not a good design it's not conducive um and uh those are my uh those are my thoughts thank you commissioner camuso uh vice chair royer do you have any questions or comments um just wondering if any if you i know you added more details about materials but has have there been any changes to any of the materials from the 25 to the 65 set or is it pretty consistent it looks like the the program areas remain consistent and the general shape and layout is the same but um if there are any changes that we should be aware of if you could just highlight those um i will say the materials are pretty consistent with 25 percent um there is not like changes uh, um, to what was designed 25%. It just like given more detail and uh, also things like specting out uh, the uh, the uh, more detail, like the product from which company, that sort of information. Uh, but the general idea, for instance, we are using 
the artificial turf for the dog park, um, and also the resili resilient rubber surfacing for um, the playground, those remains the same. And then the turf uh, in front of the uh, the pavilion, so all of those remains the same. So um, I would say they are pretty consistent with what had been approved on the 25% 25, 25 set. And uh, regarding to the design, so it was uh, through a competition and it was, you know, it was the winner of the competition. And uh, so the idea is uh, the exterior follows the existing monument walk. So the shapes is pretty much the same. And towards the inside, it's more uh, modern style. So there is a transition. Um, and the reason for the modern style is because like for instance, for the dog park and the playground, it just, it's a more modernized stuff. You just, it's difficult to have a very uh, historic uh, style to those kind of uh, features. And we all know that we need to activate some James Park um, in the area. Uh, and right now it's mostly being used by the homeless people and then uh, it's lacking the um, the residents uh, using the site. So um, to activate the park, that was the main goal of this competition. I hope that answered the questions. Yes. Um, I, I had a question about the the noise. So, I, you know, I I understand that an EIR was completed for this, and um, in just reviewing the files, like I believe that there was a noise impact under the EIR. And so, my question is, um, did was there noise mitigation imposed that would like limit the number of events? And you know, I would think that the city otherwise has some sort of uh, event permitting requirements that would um, you know, somewhat try to mitigate the noise impacts to the community um, regarding events at the site? So um, the consultant includes uh, audio engineers. So when they design for uh, the pavilion itself and the orientation and then also the uh, equipment, uh, the noise control is uh, uh, on their mind. So uh, there's a certain way to set up the audios and then uh, so the audio will be, um, uh, like the the way the the direction that is set up the the um the sound will go towards into the uh, middle of the park, uh, and then it will help spreading out uh, to, you know, like uh, pass beyond the the park. So um and and that's part of the reason that it passed the the uh, EIR report. So um, the engineers, they are aware of the noise issues. All right, um, thank you. I I do have some questions that I'd like to raise um, and I'd start, and before I actually raise these questions, I just wanted to make a comment to those in the public that may not be aware. We have several new commissioners, yeah. new as to the last time that we spoke about this issue, um, I think there were uh, four of the six of us present were not here. They were not here for that. And so they didn't hear the background. They didn't hear the, the reasons and the rationale for what they did. And um, they didn't, you know, we were given the conditions that were arrived at during the commission meeting. 
but um, but you may not be fully informed about exactly why, um, for example, the concert was was built into it. What what that could bring in terms of people, because as um, as was mentioned, there isn't a lot of public using the park now. There are a lot of unhoused people, but they um, but they. But it's it seems to be um, underutilized is what they and they're trying to get more people to use this park. That's one of the reasons for the um, building the pavilion and so forth. And it's very understandable for me that commissioners can feel differently <laughs> than the commissioners did when we discussed this because there were different commissioners and they had different viewpoints and they had different frames of reference and so forth. So I hope that helps the public understand our kind of why we're asking the questions we do. Um, now I do have some questions because I was as well as uh, Vice Chair Royer, and um, yeah, those <laughs> that we are the only two remaining members of the commission. So uh, let me ask questions based upon the sixty-five percent plan that is presented tonight, based on Condition Eleven. There are some signs that are going to be placed in this park, signs and markers. I didn't, I didn't hear any mention of them. We've gone so, from 25% to 65%. I'd like to hear what kinds of markers and signs are going to be placed in the park. Uh, so good question. Uh, so those were haven't been designed yet, not in the 25 and 65% set because the, uh, the, this two set was just what uh, working on the overall the the bigger scope of the the work, and so for the ninety percent, we are going to get into detail of the signage, and that is uh, the signage design is in the service order with the consultant, um, and then uh, so yeah, the consultant is aware aware of uh, designing this, and we are also. Uh, like we're making sure that we'll have a good communication with the HOC, uh, uh, with Dana and you know uh, associated personnel to make sure uh, you guys review uh, the content and the design of the the signage, uh, so it meets the requirement. So yeah, those hadn't been designed, so they're not they don't exist yet. But that is part of the ninety percent set that uh, we'll have soon. Thank you. I would like to suggest some signage that you for your consideration. One is sure. the St. James Park in the era of uh, the Spanish and Mexican era was used um, oftentimes for bull and bear fights that were attended by the people in the, you know, in the village of San Jose, San Jose. And it was uh, they would go out to that area and look at and bet on who would win between the bear and the bull you know that was a common practice in those in that era sorry you said bear and bull yes bear and bull fights okay uh to the death basically wow. <laughs> and there was somewhat of an equal outcome in terms of bear winning and, and bulls winning um the other thing was that it was during the civil war it was a marching parade ground so not that we and San Jose didn't have a lot of troops that went to fight in the East. 
but we did have a National Guard that kind of protected us because at the very beginning of the Civil War, there was a fear that the Confederates could attack. And so they did marching in St. James Park during the 1860s. And it became, as you know, and there should be a sign to commemorate the founding of the park in 1868. That's when it became the one of the very first city parks and certainly the first city park of San Jose. Okay, um, I would be happy. I would make myself available to you um, if I can be of any help, Hang Lee. Abigur, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yes, uh, Commissioner Jenke. Yeah, you know, having heard some of this and thought about it, I I want to pose this like a redirect in court, if you will. Um, my experience in this type of thing is I was one of the co-designers on Constitution Gardens in, in Washington, D.C., and um, that is against uh, the reflecting pool and then Constitution on the other side. The aspect ratio of this proposal is a little bit different. The, the gardens were spread out a bit, but one thing in early design, we were looking at um, exactly what it wants to be. You know, there was a suggestion to make it look like Tivoli Gardens, uh, uh, to add uh, a tot lot, uh, to add a bunch of things. And I look at this and I wonder, is it a park or is it a theme park? It looks like there's just too many gadgets that are affixed to this thing. Um, almost like, it's almost like um, landscape uh, clip art. Um, so I wasn't here to add my two cents way back when, but uh, the thing is, I just, I don't want to use the word awful, but um, I think it miss, misses so many uh, issues that deal with context and, uh, you know, my two cents and, and uh, there we go. Oh, and also that funny, Funny, the existing fountain is being retained, and that should be dynamited and gotten rid of. There's really has no redeeming value uh, or whatever. Okay, thanks, Paul. Okay, thank you. Um, going back to my questions, um, I, I think that the monument, you call it the monument path, um, I would like to suggest that you possibly consider a renaming of that path, something like History Trail, for example, or History Lane. I think that the park should represent more than just the monuments. Yes, there are three monuments in the park, but we're celebrating history. And so if you want to, and, and I think you have, looked at Victorian details in terms of vegetation, as well as some of the little fenced areas. And I hope, I, I'd like to verify this later, this is a subsequent question I have regarding the um, the surface of the, of the path itself. But I would suggest if you add these signs that, that correlate to the history from the Spanish era all the way through the eight, you know, 19th century as well as the 20th, that it could be called history walk or history trail, for example. Um, what will be the material? I see that 
on one part it said sandblasted pattern from stencil you and i'm not sure exactly what the material itself would be or the path um so the walk will mostly be concrete and then the stencil pattern um that was uh going to be, uh, it is designed by the same artist. And I believe that also uh, went through and got approved by um, the uh, the committee. I think there is an art commission or something. And so that was approved by them. Uh, and so what it is, is it has like patterns and symbols that uh, represent uh, part of the history that happened at St. James Park before. So uh, that is also included in the plan set that I... Um, oh, can I understand, is it stamped concrete then? Um, I think it's going to use etching method. So it's going to like simplast to have a little bit of... Um, um, uh, uh, how do I say that? It's, it, it will be a little bit uh, lower than the rest of the concrete. And so it has that pattern shown. Okay. At the base of the trees, it looks like you put uh, epoxy. Is that the right material? Uh, there is a section of it. It's the uh, kind of like the picnic area. So it used the rubber resilient uh, mulch. So it's similar to the rubber resilient surfacing using at the uh, the playground. They are basically a material. Uh, so it will be uh, just that little tiny section that has that. Is it synthetic then, or is, is it, it organic? Uh, it's not or. Uh, I mean, like the material. If it's 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 going to be like plastic kind of stuff. So it will be, I believe it's here. Oh, sorry. Um, I need to go back and look at the plan. But I think it's either here or here. So it's just a small section of it. Uh, I'm I'm talking about what you now call the. Uh, it's this. It's this portion right here. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's the uh, resilient rubber surfacing. Sorry. That's the resilient rubber surfacing. So rubber. it's basically plastic. Okay. But it's soft. So so it's used at the playground as well. So when kids fall on it, it's soft. Um. And yeah, but then it has a little bit different pattern. It will look like a mulch. Okay, so it's a, a rubber plastic. Yeah. Okay. Um, on, uh, this is gonna be a very specific question, but I have on sheet L5.00, it's listed that there are 15 redwoods or cedars and they're listed in either 48 inch or 60 inch um, pots, I think. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to know if you could tell me any more specificity, is it, are they gonna be redwoods or cedars or both? Um, so or, you're saying right now is listing as either or, like this or that? Sorry, I, 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 you're saying right now it's listing as cedar or redwood. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, so I don't have that sheet right in front of me right now. I'm think 
think it's um, the the final decision haven't probably haven't been made, and okay. so at ninety percent it can still be changed. So yeah. if there is comments or strong suggestion about it, I can pass the uh, the, the message to the consultant. I see. Okay. I I personally um, really appreciate the native uh, redwoods, but all right. Um, there will be 78 parking places. Is that right? Uh, there will be parking spaces, uh, but I don't have, I, I don't remember how many will be there. Um, I think the parking spaces are just along uh, along the streets. So inside the park, there is no like parking lot kind of design. Okay. All right. That's all my questions. Thank you. Any other questions from the commission? Yeah. I have I have one process related question. So I understand that the 25% design came to the commission and now um, the 65% design. Um, so how how much change can there be between now and the finish line? And does the, does the project have funding? I know that the phasing is gonna be happening later down the line at 90%, but I just curious, like what is the implementation of this project gonna look like? And how much room is there for this to change um, between now and that point? So um, the design was uh, like determined during the competition. So we try to honor uh, the design from the competition without changing it too much. But yes, of course, uh, if due to budget issue like there could be value engineering uh to change a plan here and there uh so we right now the plan is try to stick with the original design as much as possible so the 90 percent will be just based off from the 25 percent uh and the facing plan will um based on how consultant uh think what's the most reasonable uh, method, we will separate uh, the part into different areas and uh, also depends on our budget issue. So by the time we have the funding, then we will determine uh, which area that we, are, we will be able to do uh, so that, yeah, so so we'll have the facing plan letter and then we will make more decisions after that. Uh, but yeah, basically at the moment, we are trying to stick with the, with the original design as much as possible. So, yeah. And also sure. just for your information, Commissioner Galandari, that um, at the end of the 25%, um, there was a decision made and we voted for the HP permit. And this discussion is simply to give feedback and comment. It's a little different this time. Understood. Thank you. Okay. Um, and at this point, there is there anyone from the public that would like to speak to this? Okay. Um, I'll call Mike Sodegren. Do you have the you cards? Get your card. Just there's nobody for five. Eight. Oh, okay. Okay, go ahead. Because I was listening in the comments that we can't um, go back and redesign this, but um, I was thinking of the context. Um, 
I guess the question is, what is Central Park in New York without the surrounding buildings from 59th Street to 110th and between Central Parkway and Fifth Avenue? That's the context. If you take that park and you put it in Iowa, right, it has some unique elements, but it's really the context that's around it that makes it significant in total. And so I think that waiting to the 90% level to talk about number 11 it is missing an opportunity because that might shape the elements that are in there if we're talking about the, you know, the signage and you know, whatever pointers there are going to be to the history there. And my reading of the downtown commercial district and this is that they were set apart intentionally to recognize that this area was churches. It was primarily churches around this park. And so getting to the whole programming thing and noise and stuff like that, I'm imagining that the concept was sort of a quiet place of respite, at least on Sundays or Saturdays, um, but you know, a little bit busier and bustling and you know, occupied by people. Um, from a historic preservation standpoint, you know, I represent you know, the Preservation Action Council. We like to preserve as much of the elements that were there before, you know, the granite edges and stuff like that. That would be great to have all of that come back, of course. But I think what we've come to understand is preservation without activation is not good. Right? It's not sufficient. And so um, not to take a side in particular, but we have to activate this space. We have to do it in a respectful way that recognizes those buildings that are around the park. And I would just encourage the developer, the proponents for this project, let's pull ahead the 90% phase when it comes to specific recognition of historic resources and how we're going to bring pay on. Oh, comment. Um, uh, it's kind of a personal hot button, so this is not necessarily the opinion of PAC San Jose, but if there, there are some buildings that are going in here, maybe those buildings should look for uh, buildings that are going to be demolished somewhere else in San Jose that pay tribute to that particular time and fit in this context. Thank you, Mike. Any other comments from the public about this item? Seeing none, um, close uh, public comment. And uh, now it's a final time to, if we'd like to summarize our comments on this project, this is the time to do it. Um, I, I invite the commissioners to add anything they'd like to add before we close. Who would like to go first? Yeah, Commissioner Camuso. You know, um, you, you, Han Lee, you, you brought up uh, the the current park is being unused and not used uh, as efficiently as it could be. Uh, and there are a lot of homeless or unhoused. W where are those people going to go when this is uh, all developed for this plan? Uh, is that going to change in the future? I just kind of wonder how that's going to play out here um, when this development that's going in here that shouldn't be here um, and are we going to have the same problems that we have now? Has there been any thought to that, Anli? So I think, well, that's definitely a difficult um, issue uh, to solve. And the idea, the concept behind this is that we are hoping um, 
having more people to come in for all kinds of activities, activate the park, uh, then those unhoused people will, I don't know, find different places or hopefully they will uh, look for help from our uh, city's resources. Uh, I know our mayor is working on a uh, project for housing these people. So, but uh, it is true that there is no guarantee that, you know, we will success 100%, but uh, that that is the, the theory and the goal that we are trying to achieve. And so, yeah, and, and bringing the people to, uh, there like, um, Constantly using the park, um, we believe that will help with the situation. Okay, any other comments? My other commissioners? Okay. Um, it sounds like to me that there's quite a bit of um, re reservations that the current commission has. And um, some of us feel that the design could be greatly improved. Um, and I don't know if uh, it's too late, but we can certainly ask that you consider um, putting more history into the park. Um, certainly the signage would make a difference, but it's not the only thing that could make a difference. Um, the stage as it looks now, it isn't looking um, too, old-fashioned, and I think it could. Um, it's It can be many things, but if it's too much of a mishmash, it may not have as much success. And so as was said during public comment, there's a lot of history around there. Um, the, there's a Unitarian church from the 1890s. There's a Episcopalian church that was built in 1860s. And so it would be nice to have some of the older buildings reflected in the park in that context. I um, especially am very interested in making that historic path, or I would like to call it a historic path. That's my preferred term. Um, and I would appreciate it if you could use some kind of um, stamp or approval um, stamp of design that would look, again, harken back to the 17th and 18th century, or 18th and 19th centuries, when it was first uh, used. And thank you very much for your presentation and for coming back to us as you were asked to do. We appreciate the opportunity to give you comment. Thank you very much. Okay, our next item on the agenda is item 5B. Five Wounds Historic Resources Survey. The project manager is Dana Peak Edwards, and a recommendation is that the staff recommends the Historic Landmarks Commission receive the Five Wounds Historic Resource Survey project presentation from Garavaglia Architecture Incorporated and review and comment on the draft survey report and supporting documentation. I'd like to mentioned to everyone here that I submitted a conflict of interest on this item because Michael Garavaglia, who is um, of Garavaglia Architecture, and I believe may be presenting tonight, is um, my brother's brother-in-law. And um, But I was told that I can still, I don't have to recuse myself. So 
here I am <laughs> still chairing the meeting. And with that, I turn it to uh, Dana Peak-Edwards. Danielle, can you please move over Kathleen McDonald and Garavaglia Architecture? Hello, I think um, Joe and Mike are also um, on the meeting. Are they? Yeah, I'm, I'm here. We need to get Mike in as well. I don't exactly know what. Is that the phone uh, number? Might be the phone number. I'm not sure. Mike, if you're um, the number ending with 062, can you raise your hand? Can you, can you hear me? This is Mike. Oh, okay. Danielle, can you at, um, move him over to the 415 number to the panelist section, please? Um, I'm unable to promote him for some reason. I, I can't unmute him. Okay, thank you. Okay, so I'll just share my screen. Yep, take it away. Um, I was going to uh, briefly introduce um, the firm and the project. Uh, this is Mike Garavaglia, um, president of Garavaglia Architecture, and uh, do want to appreciate or uh, convey our appreciation to be involved with this project and the um, uh, the commission's consideration of our work. Um, Joe and, uh, and Kathleen both have worked very hard on on this. Uh, we've worked as, as a team together on it, and uh, along with Dana to. Uh, Prepare prepare the um, survey work for for this uh, interesting part of, of San Jose. So I'm gonna I just leave it at that um, and uh, have uh, Kathleen kick it off. Thank you. Okay. Yes. Um, so I'm Kathleen McDonald. Um, I'm one of the architecture historians at uh, Garavaglia Architecture. Um, so this Five Wounds Urban Villages Historic Resource Survey was sponsored by the City of San Jose Planning Division as part of the Five Wounds Urban Village Plan Update, which is a collaborative effort of the City of San Jose, Santa Clara, Santa Clara Valley Transportation Authority, and community members. Sorry. Lost control of it a little bit here. Sorry. Okay, so... Um, Introduction. Uh, so the Five Wounds Urban Village Plan update includes the Five Wounds Urban Village, uh, which is north of East Santa Clara Street, the Little Portugal Urban Village, which is east of the Bayshore Freeway, the Roosevelt Park Urban Village, which is west of the Bay Bayshore Freeway, and the 24th and William Urban Village, which is south of the of East, east Santa Clara Street. Um, so our historic resource survey is limited to the boundaries of these four existing urban villages. And uh, these four contain approximately 479 parcels that were part of this survey effort. Um, and so we had three goals during this project. Uh, the first was to identify potential historic resources within the four urban villages to inform the community and decision-making during the Five Wounds Urban Village Plan update. 
A uh, second one was to consider the protection of significant cultural and historic resources that encourage tourism, economic development, and the celebration of San Jose's unique character. And the third was to streamline development by identifying which properties are historic, historically significant and which sites would not require additional historic resource evaluation once development is proposed. Our, um, so our, to break down the methodology, our contract was broken into four phases. The first being uh, project commencement, which uh, basically was a kickoff with uh, city staff being Dana. The second uh, phase was public outreach, which took the form of a community meeting that occurred on May 15th, 2023. At that meeting, we uh, gave a presentation to summarize the project and uh, discuss our goals. We then broke into groups with the community members that attended the meeting to identify significant buildings um, that they thought of in the community. And we also uh, collected their contact information so that we could keep them up to date on the progress of the project. And uh, we also uh, introduced the share your story feature on the city's website which uh, allowed community members to submit info about uh, people, buildings, or events in the area that are significant to them. Um, in order to prepare ourselves for the third phase of the project, uh, which consisted of recon reconnaissance and intensive level surveys, we reviewed several historic context statements and other reports in order to better understand the area's historic context in each neighborhood. Um, some of these included the San Jose Historic Context Statement Update, the East Santa Clara Street, Alum Rock Avenue Historic Context, the San Jose Modernism Historic Context, um, previous DPR forms that had been done uh, by the Santa Clara VTA, BART's Silicon Valley Phase II uh, EIR, and a Rapid Transit Corridor EIR. So those were all of the or at least some of the reports that we reviewed. Um, so phase three, during the reconnaissance survey, we used a cloud-based app called Fulcrum to record uh, the 479 parcels that were part of the survey area. And these included only buildings that were 45 years or older or that had no uh, year-built data in the system. Um, so the apps, uh, the apps was customized uh, so that the input fields uh, reflected uh, the information that's required for the California DPR forms. And um, we were contracted to do up, up to 30 of those forms as part of the intensive survey. And uh, the intensive survey data from the reconnaissance portion where we went out into the field and, you know, looked at the buildings, um, we we took that information into intensive and we did uh, some additional background research to kind of narrow down what uh, what buildings we wanted to uh, include in the 30 uh, DPRs to intensively survey. Um, preliminary determinations of potential historic significance were based on architectural and construction elements, as well as knowledge of the cultural history and development of the five wounds urban village areas. Um, per, per the contract, evaluations were to be based on National Register 
California Register and local landmark criteria. But outside of that, we also looked at San Jose's structure of merit eligibility. And then the final phase, phase four, included uh, the survey. I don't think it, it fully transitioned going to the next slide on the presentation screen. Oh, OK. No, I think we're OK. Um, this is just the final phase, um, it, which is just the survey report draft, which is um, what we pre are presenting to you tonight. And then this here is a list of the buildings that we um, received from members of the public um, as kind of recommendations for some significant buildings um, that they thought of in the community that that you know might hold some historic significance or integrity. So um, we did pay touch, special attention to these properties during our research portion and and when narrowing down uh, the all the 479 properties to uh, to 30. Among the, the number of buildings we looked at indicated there were a couple different types of backgrounds and, and historic context that we would need to consider when writing the report. Uh, so we've outlined the, the big four contexts here. The first one is the Portuguese context in which Portuguese immigrants started arriving in California at the end of the late 19th century decades after their East Coast brethren arrived. Uh, they started arriving in and around the San Jose area around the early part of the 20th century. And from this area of Portuguese migration is where you get buildings like the Five Wounds Church and the IES Hall. Third wave of Portuguese migration occurs just after the 1957 eruption of Capolinos and after Senator Kennedy in the 60s removes a lot of anti-European immigration quotas from the books to allow specifically Azorian immigrants, but also European immigrants from all around to emigrate from Europe into the United States. And this era of, of uh, immigration brings most of the Portuguese buildings or Portuguese related buildings that you see in the five wounds and especially little Portugal area today. The other context we looked at heavily was Hispanic migration, which occurred also in different ways, much like the Portuguese migrations, but it looked much different. Um, the first era was during the uh, early 20th century, mostly during the Dust Bowl, in which Hispanic immigrants were migrating from other parts of the country, but also from uh, different Latin Hispanic countries to the area. The second wave was after World War II with the Bracero program in which many, many immigrants during the war were brought in to help work some of the farms in which many of the other farm workers had vacated during the wartime. And it continued well after World War II, all the way up into the 60s. And then the third wave was, you know, this kind of postmodern 1970s Hispanic migration wave. And it's meant that the neighborhoods all uh, exemplify very different migration periods and migration zones, which is something we try to highlight in the report. Um, then we have commercial development and Americanization within the area. So uh, mostly because it runs in East Santa Clara Street, it's been heavily targeted for commercial development by lots of different businesses. And so charting the growth of these businesses and how they've grown and changed over time has been important to the development of all of the five wounds urban villages. Um, then lastly, we have growth in terms of tech and annexation. So in the report, we note the rate of annexation picked up extremely with the uh, election of Dachaman as kind of a, a city administrator. And he grows the city by almost three times in terms of space and people 
throughout the 50s, 60s, and 70s. So San Jose, just by annexation, becomes three times the city that it was just in terms of size and people. And this meant that there were a number of unincorporated communities that placed were suddenly a part of San Jose. And this contributed to the uh, diversity in terms of breadth, people, but also style of buildings that are seen in the district. Because then without the oversight of San Jose for many years, as part of the area was not annexed until in San Jose until 1981, this means there were completely different development patterns that oversaw these neighborhoods develop which can really be seen if you explore the districts that way. So those were the four uh, tech kind of uh, contexts that we tried to highlight while writing this report, as we thought those were the four biggest impacts on the area. You want to go to the next slide, Kathleen? So when, after we developed the context, we took a heavy look at the, how we were going to identify these resources and evaluate them. And there's a number of frameworks that have already been developed by which we can do this. Um, the first is the National and California Register, uh, which are the primary driving forces behind much of preservation work within the last 60, 70, 80 years. Um, and there are four criteria which uh, they outline by which we can preserve buildings. Those include events or patterns of history, people, architecture, and archaeology. Uh, the next one we looked at was local landmarks. Uh, which is, you know, a city of San Jose local landmark, which has eight different criteria. And they are just there to ensure that the proposed landmark has a special um, historical, architectural, cultural, aesthetic, or engineering interest or value. Um, and then the last one, which is a, uh, uh, something unique to the city of San Jose, is a structure of merit. While there's no official criteria outlined to evaluate what a structure of merit is, we based our evaluation heavily off of what Page and Turnbull did for the Martha Garden survey. Um, these structures of merit are not SQL resources. They are not specifically recognized historic resources, but the reason the tag is applied is to give them some amount of historic recognition. Then lastly, within the area, there was a set of historic resources that had already been identified that we decided to cover in various ways for the survey. And these include 942 East Santa Clara Street, 884 East Santa Clara Street, 1072 East Santa Clara Street, 1047 East Santa Clara Street, 1102 East Santa Clara Street, 1167 East Santa Clara Street, 1191 East Santa Clara Street, the Five Wounds Church, 1402 East Santa Clara Street, 1508 Allen Rock Ave, and 1661 Allen Rock Ave. Now, all of those uh, are different resources, but they include things like the Pulisar Building, Bates Hall, the Neil Cassidy House, the Mayfair Theater, and the Guadalajara number one taco uh, resource. And lastly, I think part of the report is the evaluation and conclusion of findings. So this is how we evaluated historic significance for a lot of the sites that we had outlined. Um, total of number properties recorded in this reconnaissance level survey is 479. Third one of these were chosen to get DEPR forms for as part of the survey. Of 31 properties intensely surveyed, one was found not to be individually eligible for listing in any sort of historic classification. Uh, 11 properties were found to be individually eligible for listing in the San Jose Historic Resource Inventory as candidate city landmarks. 53 properties were identified as structures of merit. And then we, we pre uh, prepared DPR forms for 18 of the properties identified as potential structures of merit. 
One property was found ineligible on all the levels as mentioned. We identified four potential historic districts, one potential con uh, conservation area, which are all recommended for future study as they are outside the scope of the contract and the boundaries of the survey report here. These five areas of districts include the potential Peach Court Conservation Area and the potential Five Wounds Industrial Historic District, the potential Five Wounds Portuguese National Church Complex Historic District, the potential Little Portugal Commercial Corridor Historic District, and the potential Roosevelt Park slash East Santa Clara Street Commercial Corridor Historic District. So with that, thank you uh, for listening to us and we'd be happy to answer any questions you guys have. Okay, thank you. Um, we'll turn to the commission for any questions and then we'll ask the public if you have any questions. I have received one, um, one item, one card. If you have any other questions or comments you'd like to make, now's a good time, bring up your card. The Desiree, she'll take your cards and she'll get those to me. All right. Commissioners, do you have a questions? None? Okay. Um, could you give, uh, I think you might have mentioned this, but it, it went by kind of quickly. So how many DPR forms were filled out? We did 31. 31. That's what I thought. Um, I'm going to ask the public if you have any questions. Um, I'm going to ask Ben to start since you're the one that filled this out first. Oh, there weren't any other. So are you going to? Yeah, we'll go to public comment now. Okay, okay go ahead, Ben. All right, Ben Leach, Preservation Act Council. Um, <clears throat> As always, we're very encouraged to see this continued exercise in historic resource surveys. It's really important to keep the HRI updated, um, really important to do it in conjunction with urban village planning. And so uh, my comments here are um, in the greater context of how this works as a 50% um, draft, we would be thrilled. As a 95% draft, there, there are, I think, big questions about how this um, is going to be usefully integrated. And, um, and it was brought up that you know, one of the goals of this is to streamline development and identify sites that would not require you. So in that context, there are a lot of things in this that got you know one um, fulcrum report um, and then were said, um, you know, um, not historically. Setting aside. All of the garden variety quibbles about uh, differences of pro professional opinion and you know, maybe differences of um, uh, you know, architectural styles and things like that. Um, very concerned about um, some inconsistencies in um, the field reports versus the DPRs survey. Um, certain building types that are, to my eyes, very similar are treated very differently. And so, um, we recognize that this is a period of public comment and I will be submitting these comments um, to uh, the city and to the consultants uh, and we won't waste your time here um, nitpicking, but big picture, I would really like to highlight if this is our only chance to say what's historic and what's not historic here, I think we're missing a lot of information. 
and how PACSJ and the community can help tighten this up. And for that last 5%, we're, we're open to collaborating. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Ben. Um, as a response or as uh, my, to, to respond directly to what you're saying, I also noticed that there were a lot of forms that didn't seem to be completed, at least uh, didn't have all the items completed. And that was surprising to me. Um, and I also noticed that there were many of them that seemed to be rated as not historic. I did not have time. I don't know if other uh, commissioners had had time to go and do a, a firsthand survey of the some of the properties, but I can't, out of uh, my own experience, rate uh, or classify any of those responses, but um, it was an, a large number that were rated as not historic. And so it's, well, <laughs> kind of sad uh, in a way, but I can't, again, honestly uh, critique that without having gone there myself. I invite any other commissioners who may have had time to look at some of the properties to uh, chime in and give some feedback as to what they saw uh, in the properties that were was not re accurately related in some of the reports that we saw. Anybody see something you'd like to report on? Okay. Um, thank you, Ben. That's wonderful. It's a lot of work. I saw the number of papers in your hand, and uh, as a, I think it will be very well received. So thank you very much for that. Um, any other people interested in speaking from the public? Okay, then we'll close public comment. And uh, and now it's time for. Commissioner, sorry, we do have one hand raised. Oh, we do have one hand raised. Well, that's not supposed to be happening. <laughs> I don't know. We're gonna take. Okay, we'll make an exception on this one time. Go ahead. Yes, um, I, I'm glad you have made an exception because. I did hear that city council has decided that there will be no more public comment uh, via Zoom. So that's kind of unnerving because I cannot come to any of these meetings in person very rarely. But when you say what is historic and what isn't historic, that is the question. And um, if if it's possible, uh, the, the, the public, the layperson, we always have trouble figuring out is that historic building? Is that historic a monument. Um, so how can we, as as a public, decide that, you know, this is important, this needs to stay in our community, if I hear the commission stating that we are having confusion over what's historic and what isn't? Thank you. Yeah. Um, just to respond, respond very briefly, I would just add that there are a number of um, Secretary of Interior standards that we we look at when we evaluate a property's historic um, resource value, and uh, one of you know several of them are easily named. You know whether there is a famous architect involved in in the building, if there's somebody of note who has lived in the building, if the building was 
you know, venue for an event that happened in Cal in San Jose's history. Those are some of the things that are uh, that would qualify for historic. Um, uh, as I think there are different sets of criteria, and but the Secretary of Interior, I think, has. Does anybody happen to know? Is it ten or eleven standards? It's about ten. Yeah. So, and those are often used to determine whether a property is determined to be historic of some kind. All right. I have a. I just have a question yeah, about the please. next steps for this. So this is the draft survey report. Comments will be received, and then does it get finalized? Will it come back for us? What 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 happens after this draft? Um, well, I'll work with PECSJ on the comments and any comments that are received here. I've already given them my comments, particularly on the DPR forms. Um, so they'll finalize the work and finish the, the products, and that will be the, the final. It won't, come, won't come back, back before us. Any, any other comments or questions? All right. We want to. We want to thank our uh, Garavaglia Architecture for their work on this. It's an important project. We're glad that it was, you know, it was um, completed, and yet still there is still work to be done. We appreciate the work that you're about to do as well, and uh, we hope that it leads to many properties being identified for their historic uh, resource. Thanks, Mike, Kathleen, Joe. Our next item on the Thank you, Jim. item 5C, modifications to the San Jose Historic Resource Inventory. Um, the recommendation is that we, the Historic Landmarks Commission, add the following properties to the Historic Resource Inventory. Our project manager is our Historic Pres uh, Preservation Officer, Dana Peak Edwards. Thank you, Chair Bame. Um, as part of the 2017 adopted City Council Historic Resource Survey Strategy, the city hired ESA to conduct the Alviso Historic Context and Survey. The project updated the 1972 Port of Alviso National Register Historic District documentation to include new DPR 523 forms for the district and for 15 contributing features within the district. The project also created a second set of district forms documenting and evaluating the Bayside Canning Company District, which includes four remaining contributing features associated with this important Chinese-owned business and was found eligible for listing on the National Register of Historic Places and the California Register of Historical Resources. Additionally, the Bayside Canning Building at 1290 Hope Street was found individually eligible for listing on both the National and California Registers. Outside of the Port of Alviso District boundaries, 12 properties were recorded and evaluated on DPR forms that range in type from single-family residences, moved to Alviso during the 1950s and 60s when relocation of houses to Alviso was the primary means of neighborhood expansion, to cultural institutions associated with neighborhood civic advocacy and the Latino civil rights movement of the mid and late 20th centuries. 
Presented tonight for HLC consideration are the recorded and eligible properties that were evaluated in the Alviso Historic Resource Survey. Many of the properties were already listed on the HRI under different classifications. So for those properties, city staff um, has updated and added classifications in the HRI, and they are not presented tonight for HLC consideration because no new regulation would be imposed as a result of the classification changes. Properties identified in the Alviso survey are as needing further study are also presented for HLC consideration as identified structures. And those are included in attachment four of the staff report. Also presented for HLC consideration are two properties, 98 North 17th Street and 272 North 8th Street, which are outlined in the table in the staff report. These properties were informally identified by architectural historians Franklin Maggi and Krista Van Lang and are not part of any surveys conducted by the City of San Jose or development review projects. Finally, on November 1st, 2023, the um, HLC voted to defer action on listing 900 South 2nd Street in the HRI as a candidate city landmark to February 7th, 2024. This property is also presented for HLC consideration. All the properties have been independently reviewed by the Historic Preservation Officer and concurrence with the findings have been made. Staff recommends the HLC approve the recommendations to list the properties on the HRI, um, with the exception, and which is this is not in the agenda, of 98 North 17th Street, which is the first property number eight under identified structures. And the reason for this is it was identified by um, Franklin Maggi and um, um, Christopher Van Land. I think it, this one was Franklin Maggi. And I didn't realize at the time it's also part of the 5-1 survey. Um, and a DPR form uh, was prepared for it. So it wouldn't be appropriate at this point to list it as an identified structure as part of the survey. So um, if you would like to defer action um, on 98 North 7th Street until we finalize the survey and the properties are brought forth to the commission for consideration to add to the HRI, probably in April. Um, and that's all I have. Thank you. So with that, thank you very much, Dana. I'd like to open it up for questions from the commissioners first, and then we'll have public comment. Commissioners, do you have any questions? Raise your hand. None? Okay. I do. <laughs> All right. Uh, I wanted to know, I, I think one of the things you said, Dana, but I, I want to verify is that if an, a property is already identified, then it won't be found on this list. Is that right? If it's identified and I suppose listed in the HRI, then it wouldn't be on this list. That's right. Um, if it was just a change of classification, then okay. it wasn't. Okay. Um, yeah, and when we get to public comment, I also wanted to point out that we did receive a letter that was forwarded to the HLC okay. um, on this item. On which property, can I ask? You, you can find out. Find out. Oh, <laughs> that one was 98 North 17th, the one okay. I was asking for deferral for. Okay, thank you. So, uh, Dana, I have some questions, and I'm not sure how to approach this. These are properties that are not on the list, and I kind of thought they would be, but maybe these are not um, properties that were surveyed. And so um, could you let me know if 
I'm on the right track, or maybe these are not in the survey. It was 1051 East William Street part of the survey? The Alviso survey? Well, this is the Alviso. So these are not, yes. No, that's, that's not Alviso. That's, that's not an Alviso. <laughs> Nor are, wait a minute. What about um, South 28th? That's not on, that's not going to be either. That's not Alviso. Which number are you talking about? Uh, 101 South. Uh, it's South. So it which number be. on here? It's, I'm sorry, it's not on here. I was asking if, please disregard the question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I had the wrong houses on the wrong, in the wrong district here. All right. Um, now it is time for public comment. And I have a number of cards. I'm going to call the names of the people in the order in which I received them. So unless um start, this is the beginning of public comment. And it is Ward Lopez. Ward. And we'll give you a two minutes time. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, so thanks. This is the first time. Welcome. By, um, <laughs> I'm impressed by the mm -hmm. well thought. Of. Um, oh, there you go. <laughs> um, but you find, yeah, people on Zoom won't be able to hear if you're not speaking directly into it, or you, you can pull it out. Or yeah. okay, how's that better? Right. Um, so I'm the owner of 98 North 17th Street, um, which pointed out um, was not was on a survey and and suggested deferring action to. Um, and I'd like to say I'd like that extra time for the deferred action um, because while the process seems to be sort of well thought out and takes a long time, I only found out about it when I came back from vacation and was loaded into a moved up deadline at work and trying to, to manage a, a family a sort of interstate health issue. Um, and I just simply have not had time to find out about the process. Um, so I come here sort of ignorant of what's going on, right? And so you could imagine that somebody in my, my, my position might be worried, and I am, right? But I don't know how well-founded that worry is, and I don't know if like I agree with having this with the structure of the state or not. And I'd like the time to find that out. Okay. Thank All you. Right. Thank you. All right. Mr. Lopez, right? Or Lopes. Lopes. Okay. Thank you very, very much. Um what we tend to do, if this is your first meeting, is that we tend to consider all the properties, get all the people's input, and then make a decision on which ones we would like to approve and which ones we are going to we, we could defer a property, which means we put it off for another month. And I think that's what you're re requesting. Okay, all right. Our next speaker is Mohit Garg. Good evening. We are the owners of 1280 Wabash Street. It's currently being used as a church, religious use. 
we're a small religious nonprofit organization or body basically of 125 odd members in the Bay Area. We're uh, local. We have served the com local community pretty effectively. Uh, we've given back to the local communities by participating in food banks, uh, drives, cleaning up local river creeks. Uh, our community efforts have been recognized by the California State Legislature. And we use this property mainly on the weekends, um, just as a place of religious assembly. It kind of came as a little bit of a surprise to us when we learned that, hey, we're being added to the historic registry of uh, HR resources inventory. And uh, we're kind of still scratching our heads on what this might do to us. What would it do? What category would we be placed in? What restrictions would it place us in? What would this do to our insurance? Uh, what would this do to our maintenance or repair or minor modifications, uh, such as adding a you know canopy or solar panels or typical maintenance? What impact would this have on uh, size? Uh, should a seismic event ha happen, and we need to rebuild and reconstruct and uh, basically restore? Um, what would what would our future be? Should we desire to sell this property to a developer? All those you know questions which any typical owner could have. So we're just we're requesting more information on advantages, disadvantage of being placed there. And if there is an opportunity to document and present our viewpoint prior to this building being formally added to what we're doing. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, I think it would be appropriate to have um, some knowledge passed on so those those questions are good questions, and I think uh, worthy of being answered. Um, I'm gonna. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Maybe on a separate basis after the meeting, we can talk. Okay. So we hear that you would. You have reservations about putting your property on the HRI, and uh, you know you're requesting a deferral at at least, and uh, so we hear that, and we're going to take that into consideration. And uh, I want to assuage your concern, though, because being listed on the as a identified structure, which is I think your property is in that list, right? Yeah, it's um. It's, it has very few restrictions, and yeah, there are, you know, some some things that need to be done if you were going to make a major change to the house or building, I should say. But um, there, are, it, it's, it's not a heavy burden to bear. <laughs> um, but we'll talk to you more after the meeting. Okay, you're welcome. Our next uh, speaker will be. I think it's uh, Sridhar Kati, is that right? Good evening. Good evening. Uh, basically, we represent the same group and I think he covered most of the questions. And uh, my uh, thought process was that this particular property that we purchased was uh, based on the modern structure rather than the old structure. 
if we look at it, it doesn't look like a church, uh, like a well, like a cathedral church or anything like that, but it's just a building. And I believe that it was used as a residential property and it looks more like a residential property. And uh, as he mentioned, uh, it came as a shock as to why it's on the registry. That was the one question that we And then the implications on the tax and uh, insurance and the other things. And even a minor modification, we had to get permits from the city, which is very difficult uh, because they always uh, flag, uh, flag it as, you know, you have to come and talk to us or something like that. But we are unable to do any of the things. The part of the building is one part. The other part is the uh, the garden area and the uh, trees. And uh, so recently we had a couple of trees which fell off. So will that uh, have any impact on our uh, the value of the uh, the, the thing and in and our uh, society or our community is growing and in case we want to uh, in future want to upgrade it to a, uh, and move to another city what are the implications that are involved in it so these are some of the questions that we still we are trying to brainstorm and we would like your inputs on that okay. thank, thank you, you very much our next speaker is uh, Prashant Alwar Mm -hmm. Okay. It's uh, next speaker will be, I don't know if I can read this writing very well, but it starts with MOD, modifus, modif, uh, oh, modif, sorry, excuse me. The, the name of the speaker is Ben Leach. <laughs> I I was reading the modifications, <laughs> uh, modifications to the HRI. Um, <clears throat> evening. Uh, as always, we are very supportive of the addition properties of HRI. We understand and appreciate there's a lot of um, community interest and uncertainty about what that entails. And I think that uh, just a continuing effort um, for all of us to um, assuage the fears when they are misplaced, that this is onerous burden. Um, specifically about the Alviso edition, I think it's a really good demonstration of process of going through a historic context, going through a survey, um, selecting um, uh, character-defining buildings, but not excluding everything else. Uh, it would, the DPRs that were built out uh, were meant to represent uh, property types or historic. Um, resource types, of which there might be more. And I think that's a really good way to approach you know, all of these surveys when there is limited resources. Um, just as an aside, um, also on Alviso, uh, because there is a historic context statement, um, and that's now a public document, um, uh, short plug, uh, SJ and the Silicon Valley Bicycle Coalition um, are partnering bike tour this uh, this Saturday of Alviso and are using the context statement to um, plan the route. So there's a, there is a real world uh, benefit to this as well. So I want to just really appreciate the uh, full circle, um, the, the process coming full, starting to recontribute to the additional process. San Jose, thank you. Okay, thank you, Ben. Our next, oh, 
Is, it, is there another person? Looks like Mike. Okay. Mike, uh, you may speak. You have two minutes. Go yeah, ahead. It'll be really quick. Um, I just want to, I don't know if I can, I know I can't talk to you directly, and I don't know if I can talk to the public directly, but I'll just talk. Um, I just want to say it's very encouraging when the public comes and says, I don't really understand what this means, particularly in the context if it's an activated property. So we have a, you know, a property that has got a church in it that is meeting regularly and whether intended or not, it's the greatest act of preservation possible that that building is being occupied. And I think those of us in the preservation community realize that um, uh, there's going to be requirements to put in solar panels. There's going to be requirements to update plumbing. There's going to be requirements going to update change. And I think if the public, you know, um, interfaces with the city the way we have over time, they're going to realize that that you're really a partner in that process when you're doing that because the city is not in the business typically of saying no to improving and activating a historic resource, particularly when it's being utilized and kept um, in use. So that's it. That's a very good point. You know, we very much support reusing as well as uh, restoring. So if you can maintain the the current building, especially if it's a church building, use it as a church uh, and maintain that integrity. Um, we're amenable to making changes as needed to update and modernize the structure. Okay. Um, there's a person online, I understand. Yeah, is she the one? Yeah. Thank you, sir, for giving me the opportunity. Can you hear me okay? Yes. My name is Dayal Nagasuru. I'm regional secretary of the association that owns the uh, place of worship at 1280 Wabash Street. Um, I'm actually calling you or talking to you from New Jersey. It's about 11.08 here. Um, thank you for giving me the opportunity. When we got the card indicating that our property is up for um, a consideration of being added to the registry, um, I have two comments about this. Your website seems to indicate that there is a recommendation to study uh, our property and Balaji Temple as potential candidates, um, but I didn't get the impression that there was an actual study act completed now on our property. If, if it was completed, uh, to us, it would make more sense to share the uh, DPR, I believe is the document you produce um, as soon as one is ready so that we can uh, prepare for it. We've been trying to get documentation with no luck. Um, I Your commission has been forthcoming that you are going to share more information with us, but we have been trying to get that. Um, so I would like clarification as to whether the study was completed because the website says this is one of the properties where the um, organization you hired is indicating that they would like to get funding to do studies. That's all I have. Thank you. Okay, thank you.
Okay, so being that it's being recommended as an identified structure, um, there have it does not require a DPR to be to be completed for that. Um, identified structures are the least um, designated to historic. In other words, there's landmarks, and there's others that are in line for landmarks, candidate city landmarks, for example, but. Uh, this is an identified structure. It simply means there's something of historic nature that has been discovered. It, it There still would need to be a DPR form uh, completed. And if you were interested in becoming a landmark, uh, potentially being provided with a Mills Act, that's a possibility. Um, that would need to be done with the help of uh, probably a professional and a, an assessment. So, uh, but right now, this is a, kind of a minimal uh, classification in which we simply recognize that there's something of history. Is that accurate or do you, would you like to make any modifications to what I said? Um, well, the most extensive conversation I had was with the realtor who called on, on your behalf, I believe. Um, and what I explained to her was that these were identified, the things that were in the further study were identified by the community and by the consultant as potentially significant. And as you say, you're, you're correct, um, the caller online, that there hasn't been any documentation. But we flag things so that when or if development's proposed, it gives a heads up to the applicant that that's something that will need to be considered in, in a redevelopment process. Um, if it's not on there, it, it, the information gets lost. And then when something's proposed in a development application, there's always a scramble like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, that this might be something that we would need to look at. So that's the reason through the council directive um, to try to put things on the inventory to give people, you know, a heads up that there will be this will need to be considered. So that's the reason it's not documented now, but if something were proposed, then as part of that development application, the documentation would be done. And if it's not significant, then there wouldn't be any further action on it and it would be removed. And if, if it is significant, then, you know, we would follow through with the environmental impact, you know, process, the review process to see whether there was anything that need to be considered in that process. I'm sorry. Um, no, we don't have an appeal process. Um, as I said, this is really just something to flag for development. All right. Um, at this point, we have, um, I think, um, exhausted all the public comment. So it is time for commissioners to make any final comments, if you have some, on the on the properties that are suggested as additions to the HRI. Okay, Commissioner Camuso. I just want to comment on that. Uh... 98 North uh, 17th Street, which is, uh, I think, one of the most heavily ornamented 
Victorians I have ever seen in this city. And I, I, I grew up in this neighborhood. And for many years, that was just a, an asphalt lot. And then all of a sudden it appeared. And I, I read a little bit of the history as to where it was originally built. And it's been in several different locations. And um, I was completely unfamiliar with with the uh, structure until it showed up there. And I have to say, it's it's one of my favorites in San Jose. So it's a congratulations on your your ownership. And um, I hope you're a good steward for that uh, that home because it's it's really it's really lovely. Sure. I have. I think it's lovely. I, I really do. It's very, very nice. Very nice. It complements the rest of the neighborhood. There's the beautiful mansion across the street that was apparently all by itself there for many, many years prior to development. So um, it's it's a it's a lovely Victorian. Very nice. And um, if if I can just tag along with that, I also did some, you know, in the report that we received, um, I think it included Franklin Maggie's CPR in it, and it and it talked about the high decor on the gable ends, which is very specific, mm -hmm. but it is uh, high quality and very highly well maintained, and uh, as such, um, personally, I think it could be easily qualified if you were so inclined to a higher level possibly even landmark status but we're we're not doing that tonight that's not what this meeting is about <laughs> you're vast you've asked for a deferral and um it's on the on the we're consideration for identified structure any other comments or questions about these properties Okay, I do have uh, a statement and I'm gonna give this to Dana and she can pass it along because I'd like it to be uh, put into the minutes if that's possible. Placing properties on the historic resource index is useful for two reasons. It provides some protections to the properties that otherwise could be altered or removed without a building permit. It also helps property owners realize the worth of their homes to a community. Although the private property owner retains the right to alter their homes, having a home on the HRI would raise their awareness of the community's loss and may dissuade some from making major alterations or removals. Some property owners may be inspired to seek a landmark designation. I hope you think about that. We have seen a steady increase in the properties added to the HRI that is something that the community can celebrate. Historic means community in many ways. Besides San Jose, which has a very beautiful downtown, the cities of Los Gatos, Palo Alto, and Mountain View are some of the others that have beautiful downtowns and celebrate their heritage. So we know that history means community as well as culture and beauty. Many thanks to the community members, such as yourselves, who allow or encourage these additions to the HRI. In particular, I want to give great thanks to PAC San Jose. They have recommended many of the properties that we've added. A huge round of applause for the city's building, planning, and code enforcement department, and in particular, Dana Peak Edwards, 
who have done an amazing job of adding 144 properties in the last year, 2023. So I am celebrating and I wanna praise everybody that is involved in this effort. All right, our, um, I, th I think it's time for us to take a vote. I would look for a motion that would approve these additions to the HRI with or without deferrals. It's it's your pleasure. Would I, like someone like yeah, Vice Chair Royer. I move that we defer ninety eight North Seventeenth Street and twelve eighty Wabash Street to a later HLC meeting, so the property owners can get some more information about the process and the impacts and move that the rest of the properties are added to the HRI as listed in the agenda. You want to defer to a specific month or um, two months? Yeah, I think two months. That gives okay, a little we'll bit of extra defer time. Defer until April. Is that adequate for your needs? Two months? Okay. We have a motion to approve the additions to the properties listed on five C of the agenda with the exceptions of 1280 Wabash and 98 North 17th Street, which would be deferred until April, 2024. Is there a second? I second. Okay, uh, Ms. Commissioner Camuso seconds. And with that, is there any debate? No debate, we will follow uh, with a vote. Those in favor, say aye. Aye. Oh, I can go individually. Uh, Commissioner Galandari. Aye. Okay, Commissioner uh, Jenke. Commissioner Camuso. Aye. And Commissioner uh, Vice Chair Royer. Aye. And Chair Baim, aye. The motion is passed. It carries um, six to zero. And we have one, abs one absentee. Our next item on the agenda is item 5D, which is the Santa Clara County Preservation Alliance awards night okay i'm going to make an announcement now about this awards night we had a meeting on january we the the advisory group met on january 22nd 2024 the advisory group's members were franklin Maggi, archives and architecture krista van lan architectural historian ben leach executive director of pac san jose Ramon Martinez, Associate Professor of Education, Stanford University, Ed Jenke and Larry Caruso of the HLC. And I was um, chairing this meeting. We uh, briefly introduced ourselves. We discussed the criteria for an award at the Preservation Awards Night, which will take place on May 17th, 2024. Um, we be began, began to discuss properties that would be considered for the award. Uh, we we stated that the Fair Glen additions um, would be uh, possible for an award that we would consider it. Um, and I made the announcement that at the February 12th meeting, Commissioner Camuso would chair as well as the March meeting. And um, Commissioner Jenke, Commissioner Camuso and I will meet on March 20th and we will make a decision about which property 
or in this case, Fairglen uh, properties would be recommended to the HLC to be given an award. And then on April 3rd, the HLC would uh, decide which to accept that recommendation or not. I also wanna give you a little background as to the steering committee of the Santa Clara County Pres Preservation Awards. And we met on January 23rd. Uh, we are uh, The outcome of that meeting was that we're expecting to present 12 awards. We, the HLC, can nominate two awards, but we must prioritize them. So there may, may or may not be a uh, ability to give two awards. Ben Leach is also on the steering committee. Uh, Fair Glen Additions does qualify. That was clarified at the meeting. Um, the price of the tickets is to be determined. Last year it was $20. Uh, it will take place on March, May 17th at History Park at 7 p.m. Um, I invited, with the consent of the steering committee, I invited Mayor Mahan to speak at the awards night. As of today, he has made, not made a decision yet. I hope that all of us can attend the awards night. It's a wonderful celebration of history, community, and culture. And I would like to ask if there is anyone that would like to volunteer to um, participate in a special way at the awards night. You can think about it and you can volunteer later, but I ask that you consider there's many different ways to volunteer um, and, uh, and talk to me after the meeting and we can discuss it. Um, I wanted to highlight this for Dana, that in our March meeting, um, Commissioner Camuso will be presenting a brief summary of the meeting of the advisory group. Okay. Our next item on the agenda is item six, referrals from city council boards, commissions, and other agencies. There are no items. Item number seven is open forum. Members of the public are invited to speak on any item that does not appear on today's agenda, and that is within the subject matter jurisdiction of the commission. The, com the commission cannot engage in any substantive discussion or take any formal action in response to the public comment. The commission can only ask questions or respond to the statements to the extent necessary to determine whether to refer the matter to staff for follow-up or request staff to report back on the matter at a subsequent meeting or direct staff to place an item on the future agenda. Each member of the public may fill out a speaker's card. I got one just now, thank you. Um, and you have up to two minutes to address the commission. If you have joined, <clears throat> All right, thank you very much. Um, I'm gonna call the first speaker here and it's Mike Sodegren. Mike? Buckle up. <laughs> okay. So, so Celie Apnew EIR is out and currently HLC isn't gonna review that and provide public comments. So I'm just gonna cut right to the chase and say we ask that the HLC set a meeting to authorize or authorize a subcommittee to review and provide comment on the draft EIR on behalf of the HLC within the public circulation period, taking a hard look at the on-site relocation alternative specifically, in particular alternative four and five for the on-site relocation of the Sakawahe House, which would meet 
uh, the project objective. Okay, so that's topic one. Um, uh, the um, demolition by neglect ordinance that this uh, body proposed previously, um, need to know the status of that. Um, we're seeing the Burbank Theater uh, be neglected. We're seeing the Church of Christ scientist um, being neglected. It's all across the town. And so um, you guys put together something that was specific for landmarks. I still would like that expanded, but I definitely would like to see this get in front of council sooner than later. Um, PAC uh, did a candidate survey. I just wanted to mention that that is going to be published it now. And uh, that asks a lot of questions that the HLC would be interested in. I believe you'll get an email with the link to that. Um, but uh, we got a response uh, from 20 of the, of the 29 candidates that are running for office. So um, in the past, that's been pretty useful in making sure that, you know, things like the Duradon station are preserved and other, other things become a priority. And then you end up with your mayor standing across the street from the First Church of Christ saying, we have to do something about it. Um, finally, I just want to say um, virtual input via Zoom is really taking that away, particularly for the smaller commissions, I think is taking a voice away from the public. I would love to see. I've got a note from my dentist. I'm supposed to be resting tonight. And so I wouldn't have been able to participate if it wasn't for the fact that I'm just bustling through. Um, and, and the other thing is there was a concurrent meetings going on. So how can I participate in both if I don't have a option thank you okay thank you mike that was jam-packed as you said <laughs> um i i'd like to query the the commission to see if there is an interest in bringing the sakui um you know back to the hr uh the hlc and uh, discussing the options number four and five as was mentioned is that number one is that possible no the public comment uh, period ends uh, March 2nd. And we wouldn't have time to meet before that. So our next meeting is March what? Well, it wasn't agendized because the commission's already reviewed the um, the project and provided comments. Okay. Um, in the past, I have, you know, written letters um, to support a position and ask that kind of we reinforce what we said at the the meetings i'm i'm not of a mind to to do that of my own however um the reason i i'm not of a mind to do it is because um i have written letters in the past and they haven't <laughs> i haven't seen any big changes made so the the input that we gave we gave it was given whether it was received or not, that that's a, I don't know if it was made or not, but um, at least we made our points during the, the meeting that we discussed that. I'm sorry, but um, hopefully maybe some other people that are newer to the commission um, will take an interest in, and make their no, views known because you weren't here to provide that input. We're talking about a property of how many acres? Is it? 22 acres north San Jose. Um, and the, the development would be to take a, an orchard that's still, until recently, still working, a, a working orchard, and, and building um, 
how many, 500 units of housing? Half of that? Okay. So, but a lot of housing. Um, and uh, unfortunately, not doing a lot to protect the historic resources there. Um, so those of you, especially newer folks that didn't get a chance to um, to provide comment in that, you know, it's 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 possible to to write to this letter of the H uh, the EIR and provide input. Okay. Um, is there any more public? Is there? I wanted to respond one more thing to what Mike said, and then I'll ask for more public comment. If you haven't already filled out a card, you can do that. Um, is let's see, what was it? Uh, yeah, I really appreciate your candidate your, your candidate forum, if you will. It's online that you interview candidates for a public office and provide you post it online and and you talk about what they've answered. I think that's a huge hugely valuable service. I personally do read those and I encourage all the people here, whether they're commissioners or public, to take a look at the PAC San Jose website. You will find excellent information about where these candidates that are running for public office stand on historic development or redevelopment or um, protection. Okay, um, now are there any other public comments? Okay, commissioners, do you have any other items that you'd like to bring out at the open forum? Okay, I just have two things that I wanted to mention. Um, regarding the Burbank Theater, there is an encampment happening near there. And um, I wanted to ask you, Dana, if um, HLC can do anything to protect it. I hate to see another fire happen. You wouldn't think that there would be a fire in the in the winter, but... It can happen if it's inside. Um, we've looked into this issue, and unfortunately, it's still an unincorporated county, so we don't have jurisdiction over the building. The other item I wanted to mention was um, Terry Johnson, who is the chair of the Heritage, uh, I'm not sure, Heritage. Anyway, it's like the H Historic Landmarks Commission, but for the county. He is. He presented to the uh, city council that he would like to see the old Almaden winery protected because it's been graffitied and it's been broken into. And so he's asked that a fence be built around it. And, um, and I just wanted to pass that along because I think it's a good idea and it's a very valuable historic resource from 1852 we, de we definitely need to protect that. So I would just point that out to, to, to you, Dana, that you could write my note on that. Okay, our ne next item on the agenda is item eight, good and welfare, starting with I item 8A, a report from the Secretary Planning Commission and City Council. A verbal update on the status of planning approvals by City Council Planning Commission planning director of projects with a historic resource component. We have no updates tonight. Okay. Summary of communications received by the HLC. 
I just want to acknowledge the letter that was sent by Pack SJ regarding Burbank Theater on February 1st. It was emailed to all pensioners. Okay, thank you. And also a verbal update on the Alviso story map. Yeah, so the Alviso Historic Context and Survey was completed, but the last portion of the project is to create a story map based on the historic context statement. Um, so that's been, the data has been completed by ESA. Um, the city is working on migrating the story map uh, data and photos that were sent by ESA into our database. The website, the story map is being hosted on the city's um, infrastructure. Um, so the estimated time frame is about two weeks to get that done, um, hopefully by February 16th, um, to get the map fully functional and address any bugs, any issues or errors. Um, once that's completed, the link will be shared on the Alviso Historic Resources Survey Project website um, once it's finalized, and you can check it out. I'll report back when it's completed in March. Thank you, Dana. Um... Our next meeting for the Historic Landmarks Commission is March 6th here in City Hall, Wings Room 118, 119, and 120. Uh, the Design Review Subcommittee has a solid uh, whiffing, and we have not had one meeting this year. So our next meeting has also been canceled. So maybe in March, we'll see. Our next item on the agenda is item 8C, Approval of Action Minutes. I have one correction to make in the minutes. Um, on page six, there is a, the word, the last name of Thomas Foon is H, I'm sorry, F-O-O-N. Um, sorry, it's, it's written F-U-N, and it's supposed to be F-O-O-N, okay? On page six, yeah. you'll find it. Are there any further corrections that are needed for the minutes? That being case, there are no further uh, corrections. The minutes stand as amended. Our next item is 8D, status of circulating environmental documents. That's just an informational item. Um, the issuance of the circulation of the draft EIR was also provided to all commissioners when it was issued, um, and the public comment period ends March 2nd. Hey, there is no, if there's no objection, I will adjourn the meeting now. And it was wonderful to have uh, Commissioner Balandari with us. Thank you for coming. Thank